Hey, welcome to My Town Season 2. I'm so excited today to be with two of my friends from sports car racing from great distances, actually. I have Cindy Lux with me from Portland, Oregon. Hey, Cindy. And I have Jill Swanson with me from, well, Jill, you're in Chicago right now, but you're yeah. usually up around Road America and Wisconsin too, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, hi, everyone. Yeah, hi. And so I'm so excited that both of them are here. Um, not only are they my friends, and I've known both of them for a long time, many years. Uh, Cindy and I have actually co-raced together. Jill and I have done things together in sports car racing as well. But uh, they're both cancer survivors. And that is something that uh, I know neither one of them planned. And I did not know uh, for a while that either one of them um, had it. And so um, I'm excited today to hear their stories and hear what they have parlayed their recovery and their healing into. Um, and so whichever one wants to go first, why don't you tell us about what you want to tell us about? Well, Jill, if you don't mind, I'll start. Um, no, Stan, thank you. It's, it's good to see you and, and Jill and stuff. And, and uh, it's probably appropriate to have these conversations, not only about what we went through, but this times that we're going through right now, because to be honest, there's a lot of parallels um, and trying to dig deep and find strength and, and be positive and so forth. But no, I mean, it was honestly, I was, um, I was, I'm the wife that actually makes all the medical appointments for my husband, right? Making sure he's on schedule with his doctors and, and his checkups or whatnot. And anyway, long story short, you know, I just went in for my routine first time colonoscopy. Um, and they kind of, you wake, wake, they try to wake you up and they got big eyes staring at you and they're all kind of like, yeah we're not, there's something goofy here, you know, and they put it in a much more medical stance of what I'm doing right now. But uh, anyway, so that was three years ago and uh, I was diagnosed with stage three um, on the deal and, and uh, kind of then your whole world, it starts to spin, you know, and, and in mine did because I was still racing. That season wasn't over. I think it was in the September thing. And um, I was feeling a hundred percent, no problems, no symptoms, no anything, you know, and, then all of a sudden this hurricane just went into the room within, you know, 10 seconds, your life just legitimately changes. And everybody says that, but anyway, um, yeah, just kind of went through that process and went and had surgery and they took out a couple of feet of my colon. And, and actually that operation was the easiest ever compared to all my other surgeries on my shoulders, knees and stuff like that throughout the year. Um, and then we started chemo and that wasn't overly fun, but it wasn't overly bad. Let's put it that way. Um, kind of banged it out over the holidays and, and uh, yeah. So knock on wood, we're, we're three years into this process and, you know, it's something to where, you know, you, it's a personal journey, um, but it's also your family so much affected um, by it. But uh, you learn to each day, you know, being around humor. And that's one thing, you know, Stan, I know, you know, my husband, Fred um, and Jill, hopefully someday you'll be able to, to, to meet him and so forth. But, Humor is, <laughs> and humor is definitely something that he, we did together, but he was just having that level of humor, especially when you're sitting there plugged in with your port, you know, going through chemo and, and, you know, the stuff we would laugh and giggle like teenagers to the point where other patients and doctors were like, what's wrong with these guys are always, you know, and we just find humor and, and, you know, something positive about the day um, together. So honestly, it, I'm very grateful because I can't imagine having a significant other, you know, a husband that just worried or was a, you know, kind of a, probably what I would be like if he had cancer or something, you know, just really worried to make sure he got something to eat or whatnot. But we just laugh the whole entire time. So um, kind of blessed by that regards. So 
anyway. Yeah, I do remember in your case, Cindy, you, you actually told me, uh, and I remember when you told me over the phone and we're like, Hey, you know, this has happened and I'm really not telling many people and really don't want to get it out there, you know, publicly, at least not at that time. And I got to tell you, I mean, I, I didn't really know how to respond because it seems like such an odd uh, situation to, you know, you can't, you can't come up quickly with anything to say that doesn't sound like you're just giving platitudes, you know, um, or that you're saying you care, but there's not really that sincerity of, of feeling because it's just so, well, for one thing, we're so far apart uh, on separate sides, basically of the country. But then add to that just the not really knowing how to respond, because if I didn't know you so well and know Fred, then I would maybe think laughter would be, uh, you know, a, a response that would that would not be honoring you or it would be making light of what's going on. But because I know Fred and I, because I know how Fred makes you laugh, I know that what you just said makes a lot of sense, that that actually brought some comfort to you and love through laughter in a way that uh, probably only Fred can do. But, you know, how, how did people respond? And, and what did you, how, do you, how did you help them be okay with hearing the news? Yeah, and it's interesting. And, I'm, and maybe and it's funny, it'd be interesting to hear Jill's take on this. But at the beginning, I didn't share this news. And maybe looking back on it, maybe that wasn't the right decision to make. Um, but the reason I did that is my plate was pretty full with my emotions and the journey was just starting and I didn't have the answers for when people would ask me, Cindy, are you going to be okay? Or where are you at? Or what's it like? And I was so asking myself those same questions that I, that's kind of why, to be honest, and I, I am, I'm sorry now, but at the time I know why I did it. I didn't even tell my family until probably the last two treatments, um, I didn't a want to worry them, which I know now is wrong, but more importantly, I just couldn't take that emotional drama, let's just say, or extra, I don't want to say baggage because they're, they're very supportive family, but um, that's the only thing that I didn't do. I didn't really come clean with, with my friends. And when I did, it's interesting towards the end of the treatments, I felt this enormous weight lifted off me. It's kind of like I could share it. And just the, by that time, your body is starting to get pretty worn down. Your emotions are starting to get higher and higher because you're just, you're starting to get worn out and just having that love come in from your family and friends did help towards the end of treatment and stuff. And so, uh, but it is a private journey. Um, but I think now my, and, and, and Jill's organization, which we'll talk about is so special is my, my take now is helping people get through the process, but more importantly, just, understand you're not alone, you know, and that's the biggest thing. And talking to people that have had it is much different and don't take this wrong, Stan. There's a different connection that Jill and I have together versus when you, you and talk to Jill or I talk to Jill or, or the point is survivors really kind of have that special bond and not in it, but just you understand things. And so when people first get diagnosed, I think the first 10 days, 14 days, is absolutely just overwhelming. And so I try to find those folks and kind of like be there and just hold their hands and say, we don't have the answers, you know, kind of like what we were just talking about. We're going to get through this together. And I've been there and I know exactly what you're, you're going through. And uh, anyway, so that's kind of. Yeah. Kind of no, no offense taken. I mean, as a matter of fact, you used a word there that I have learned uh, talking to both of you and some other, some other acquaintances that have gone through different types of cancer too. 
uh, survivor because they say that you'll be a survivor for forever, for as long as you continue to be alive. Like it's not something that you just look back and say, well, I had that and I got over it. It's, it's a change from that point forward. Yeah. So those of us who haven't gone through that can't, um, can't possibly imagine what those thoughts are, or really, as you say, have the same type of discussions because we're not, we're not wise to that information or feelings. So that's not really possible. And, it, and, it, and it's a journey, you know, for people. And, it, and I was always one of those people that thought it'll never happen to me. It'll never happen. It's always, you know, somebody else you read about or hear about. And I think, it, you know, and again, not to jump ahead, but and, and again, to, to, to get Jill's take on it. I think it enriched my life. And I, and I, when I first heard that from somebody, oh, I'm, I'm actually going to be a better person or I'm almost grateful that I went through this. At first, I'm like, are you nuts? That's the weirdest thing I've ever heard in my life, you know, but Honestly, I think it slowed me down. I think it actually made me kind of reevaluate some things in a positive way. And I, I kind of took myself out of that overdrive gear of work and everything and just kind of sat back for a second and say, wow, you know what? We need to, we need to slow things down a little bit and appreciate the everyday isms, you know? Mm. Well, yeah, let's, ho- let's come back around to that in a second. Cause I think, I think both of you are probably going to have more to say on that. Uh, Jill, what, what are your thoughts and what's your, uh, background story? Yeah. So very similar to Cindy's, but first of all, Cindy, I got to tell you that when I heard what you had gone through and that I didn't know about it during the time, I was mad at you. No, I, like, I know. I got that sense from you. I'm sorry. I was like, oh, I could have like, I could have been your sounding board. Like I felt like, like, I, I felt like, wow, I wish I, I wish I would have known. I wish you would have shared or somebody would have shared so that I could let you know that I've been through exactly what you were, you know, in the middle of. Um, so I'm also a colon cancer survivor and I'm also diagnosed at stage three with no symptoms. Um, I literally went in for allergy medicine. Um, I went and saw my, my general practitioner had a physical said, I have this really weird cough that I got a kitten back in December. So this was, this was two weeks after the 24 hours of Daytona, 2014. I was in Daytona and on day three, I was still coughing and still having allergy reactions to this kitten that I didn't bring with me. Um, and so when I got home, I made the appointment. So two weeks after Daytona, I sat in my doctor's office. She examined me. She said, you're in great shape. You're in great health. Um, but that cough sounds like a smoker cough. And I was like, yeah, but I don't smoke. So we did a chest x-ray, it came back negative. Um, and she said, great, your lungs are in good shape. I'm going to send you to get some blood work done. And the blood work showed that my hemoglobin was at six. And so when they called me, your hemoglobin is supposed to be between 12 and 15 as a healthy, normal person. And that's your blood oxygenation is basically what it is. So when my blood work came back and they called me and they said, how are you still standing? Cause hemoglobin of six, half the blood in your body's gone. And so everything escalated. And within five days later, I had the same surgery, a couple feet of my intestines taken out, put back together. The surgery was easy. Five weeks later, I started the full Fox treatment for colon cancer, probably the same treatment you went through, Cindy. Um, and I handled it pretty well. There was a few days of, you know, nausea and whatever, but mostly handled it well. Um, And I also went in that first 14 days, Cindy, how you said, like, you go into this mental box of a place where you don't want to share, you don't want to talk about, first of all, colon cancer is not the glamorous cancer. So it's not fun to share with people because 
you know, your GI system is not something you want to have a conversation with somebody else about. Um, but I had a hard time telling people what I was going through. And I had a good friend of mine, her name's Kathy. You guys might've met her. She's been at the track with me. She does some engineering consulting for me, but, um, she went with me to all of my chemo appointments and the second appointment we went to, she packed a bit. So the first chemo appointment, you, you literally go through each drug. They make sure you don't react to it. You know, you have the whole long drawn out eight hour day. Um, but the second chemo appointment, she packed a backpack of stuff and she packed snacks and she packed her laptop and she packed all these things. And she said to me, when we got to the hospital, she said, as soon as you get hooked up and they access your port, I'm going to put on a show. And I bust out laughing and all the nurses bust out laughing. And she's like, well, what's so funny about that? And here I'm picturing like a kick line, some sort of sequin number, you know, jazz hands. And she's like, no, I meant like Netflix. Like we'll put on a show while you do your chemo. So Cindy, we also had the laughing and the hysterical tears of making each other crack up mostly during all my treatments. Um, Yeah, it was, it was pretty glorious to be able to find the, the light spots in the, the horrible things, you know, our bodies were going through Um, to be able to, to know that you and Fred laughed through that makes my heart happy because I, when I heard that you were diagnosed, like I said, I I felt bad that I wasn't there for you, but to know that somebody made you laugh through your treatment makes me really, really happy. So I'll give Fred a hug next time I see him. Wow. You guys are amazing. I, uh, I keep hearing the word community while I'm listening to you too. Um, you know, Jill, with you saying you were up, you were upset with Cindy for not letting you know. <laughs> it <because> was. <laughs> you wish you had been there for her. Yeah. And then, and then I don't know that Cindy said it in these words, but I kind of heard that, well, I wasn't sure how I wanted to tell people and who I wanted to know. And so it sounds like there's a wrestling match between privacy and needing community where people can actually help carry the burden and the load of what you have found out. And, and like you said, those of us who haven't had it can't carry it the same way. Um, I know that when Cheryl's aunt was diagnosed with cancer, uh, your lemons of love package came to her and man, I, 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 you know, I don't know how to say this other than just say it. I didn't know exactly what you sent. Um, but whatever it was, and those were in some of the early days of, of lemons for love getting going, Judy's reaction was just over the top. Like it was as if someone had given, you know, the equivalency of jewelry or some sort of heirloom or something like that, because it was coming from someone who understood how she felt and what she was going through with hair regrowth and picking out wigs and doing all these things to try to still feel human with all of this chemotherapy stuff going on. And I got to tell you, I hear you two saying those things to each other. Like you're upset with Cindy that you couldn't walk along with Cindy through that or put on a show uh, for her. Um, And maybe Cindy realizes that now she's doing that for a lot of people um, as well. So I I just, I just want to hear more from both of you. Is that right? I mean, is community as important as it seems like it is? Oh, there's, there's no question. I mean, it's, it's, but there's such a, and as this is where I think I screwed up a little bit is I have a tendency to fix other people's problems 
in my business. And, and it's kind of, I've always been just whether I grew up that way or what. So I didn't want to kind of, I felt I wasn't, what's the word I probably look for. I just, I didn't feel right being that person to ask for help, you know? Um, and I made that mistake and looking back on it now, I probably should have reached out to those or more people, but I didn't want to burden them with my problem. Um, which again, now is, is pretty silly to do this, but even to the point where you can almost equate it to what's going on today, you know, in the world of this crazy world that we're in, which mm. we will get out of one day. I'm just a firm believer that this, this shall pass, you know, but the whole COVID thing is making, making a lot of people just internalize and not say, you know, Hey, I need some help or can I talk? And I think that the biggest thing is people that have a lot of, I don't want to say pride, but people that have always been there for others, I think they struggle the hardest asking for help. And I think I fell into that category and I wasn't smart enough to reach out to say, Hey, you know, I do need some help sooner. Um, so I've learned, I've taken that lesson to heart pretty quickly. Well, Cindy, one thing I, I want you to know this with all my heart, I respect your privacy and I, I was never mad at the fact that you wanted to remain private through it. One thing I've learned in all of this and all the connections that I've made since my own diagnosis is that everybody's story is different. Yeah. Cindy and I had the exact same stage of the exact same cancer, but our stories are very different. And as long as we can all respect each person's individual story and how they how they take their story and, and channel it to their growth and their healing, um, we're all different. Um, and I can, I've seen, I've walked into oncology wards of people who didn't even want to received, receive a Lemons of Love gift because they said to me they were so angry that they were the one with cancer that they didn't want anything that made them happy or made them smile or gave them. Really? I have had people turn me down. I have had people yell at me and tell me to get out of their space. I have seen all, I've seen the full gamut of how people have taken their diagnosis and channeled their positivity or negativity, whichever way they went. And it's, it's sad to see that, you know, I look at you and I and, and the positivity that we exude. And, and I, I say this, I believe that we both wake up every morning so grateful to have another day to be able to do what we do. Um, I, I'm blessed every single day with waking up and opening my eyes. Um, and I, I don't think that everybody feels that way. And we have to respect the people who don't, but I know I can see it in you that you are also in that same space of you wake up and you say, I have good to put into the world today, you know? And that's a, that's a different perspective. For, and I think anybody that goes through anything hard finds a different, a better way to do things in the future, at least the positive people do. So, but yeah, I've seen it all. It's, it's really sad. You know, and, and it's strange. I mean, just to, it's, it's it, I think it makes us stronger people going through this or any type of mm -hmm. health, you know, mm -hmm. issue and so forth. But I remember the only time that I truly broke down was the second to the last treatment. And you, and, and again, it's, it's kind of like going to the principal's office, walking down the hallway at school. You just got called to the principal's office and your palms are starting to sweat. You know what's coming up. You know you're in trouble. You know, you know you're going to get you know, in trouble for, for something. I remember the second last treatment, I got halfway down the hallway ready to walk into this, this building and I just collapsed. I just, I just fell. It, I mean, I just, I just sat down and started crying like a little girl. And my husband's sitting there just, you know, comforting me. He's like, what? He says, I just, I don't have the strength to do this. I 
I don't, I don't want to go into that through that door because it's going to bring me so much pain. I just remember that was kind of a life moment for me where he just picked me up and said, you don't understand that door is saving you. Right. That walking through that door for the treatment, that's what you need. That's what you, right. we won't have to come back here. And if we do have to come back several years down, we'll get through it together again. And it was just very interesting how he was looking at it from a half full standpoint. And to me, and I just broke down and I'm, you know, this is probably hard for Stan to hear because I'm a pretty, you know, strong person and, and so forth. For me to be sitting there on the floor of this medical, medical building, weeping like a three-year-old child saying, I can't, I can't. And I think it was one of those moments where you're like, you know, you, you remember it vividly. And because of that, I know now that I'm a stronger person, but I also realized that we have to go down through the valley sometimes for us to come through. Um, and that was kind of my biggest moment. So sorry to get off on that. I don't know how. No, no, that's great. It was hard because I looked at that door as a negative, as a hurt, hurt, hurt. I'm going to get oh. sick again. And he was just like, stop. That that's is your feeling. That's salvation. That's, that's your future. Right. That's, that's, you know, it's going to hurt a little bit, but you know, it's kind of like water skiing. Once you get up on the wake, you're better <laughs> off versus just being drug in the wake all the time. So. <laughs> When I had my, my oncologist said to me before my first treatment, I had a female oncologist and she was about the same age. We were in our late forties. And she said to me, because you're in your forties, we are going to give you enough chemo to like end your life, but only to bring you back. So know that when you get towards the end. So Stan, one of the things Cindy's talking about is as you get further and further into your chemo cycles, it's cumulative in your body. So you're, you're taking, the drugs that they're giving you, it's like compounding everything that they've already given you. So every time you go back, it's worse and worse and worse and harder and harder on your physical being as well as your mental being. But, um, but yeah, I remember thinking every single time I would go to my chemo appointment and I did 14 rounds. I'm assuming you probably did the same. Um, I would count up, be like one, first one, second one, third one. Couldn't wait to get to the set number six and seven because then I could count, start counting down. I only have this many left. I only have this many left. And that's what got me, you know, through the whole mental part of it. So yeah, I get it. Well, it, all of this is on subject. And I, I would just say that what I'm hearing, one, it's not an intelligence thing. Uh, no. you cannot keep saying you weren't smart enough. That's not, I don't think that's it. I think, I think what I hear both of you saying is it's a, it's an emotional and experience thing that then brings knowledge because I know you both really well and you were both busy people already. <laughs> yes. and you were both doing things as Cindy, as you said, for other people, you know, more than yourself oftentimes and Jill the same way, uh, you know, Jill was running her, her business and it was growing. And then Cindy, you had speaking engagements all over the place and you're helping, um, you're helping coach people and you're helping getting women into motorsports and all kinds of other stuff that was going on. And all I've noticed is since you two have uh, come out the other side of, of this, however you phrase that, and I'm sure I'm not doing it right. Um, you're just doing more. What a wonderful perspective on life and God, but there's more. Join us next time to hear what Cindy and Jill are doing now. Look for the rest of this discussion in our following episode. See you then.